Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Hey, everybody. If you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store, whether you sell physical digital, or service products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com stuff right now, and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code STUFF, and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? Brought to you by the all-new 2014 Toyota Corolla. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and Charles W. Chuck Bryan is with me. Jerry's over there, and this is Stuff You Should Know. That's right. The Audio Adventure Hour. Yeah. I'm I'm telling you, we need to change our name to the Audio Adventure Hour. Oh, I got you. Because people will be like, I said it on a recent one, and you said, boy, that's going to stick, and now you can't even remember it. I, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, that's right. Which episode was it? I think it was Broken Bones Healing. Oh, that was pretty recent. It just dropped yesterday in real time. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, but here we are in October, and it's long since forgotten. It was kind of agonizing, too, like just talking, what was it, the green tree or green stick where little kids' bones break? Oh, yeah. Ugh. Man. We heard from a lot of people on that, too. Yeah, and everybody had a hard time listening to it. Yeah, and we got some pretty gnarly pictures. Yeah, that dude with the staples down his leg. Yeah, and the guy with the crooked wrist. Like, don't send us this stuff anymore, (laughs) please. Stop. So, uh, Chuck. Yes. I know you're familiar with the work of economist Jeffrey D. Sachs. The Saxter. But don't don't let me bore you too much. I'll try to keep it brief. Okay. Of course, you're aware that Sachs once said that humanity can most likely reproduce its way out of any dire situation. Yeah. Global warming, climate change, starvation, reaching carrying capacity, uh, running out of water. Yeah. All of these things, we can paradoxically get our get ourselves out of by producing more people, mm-hmm. more people who are going to consume more of these things. Yeah. And the reason, of course, that Sachs is saying this is that the more people that are produced – the higher the chances that some of those people are geniuses. And the more geniuses you have running around the planet at any given time, the more likely those geniuses are to solve the big picture problems that we face. We need more geniuses. So apparently we're all supposed to reproduce more. Um, does he account for all the dummies? Yeah, I I guess what he's saying Dragging is that when you put the dummies against the geniuses, uh-huh. even the dummies can't undermine the work of enough geniuses. Right. So one genius can thwart the undoing of a thousand dummies. Yeah. Nice. But it's like then you have the idiocracy problem. It's like, well, we need to make sure that smart people are are reproducing too. Oh, I thought you were going to say a movie based on one joke. I love that movie. <laughs> that was a cute movie. Yeah. I thought it was good. It was all right. It wore thin for me. Um, it, it did it. Yeah. 
No, actually, it was okay, but it worth it. Okay. I'm not poo-pooing. Um, did you like Office Space? Yeah, sure. Okay. Who didn't? I don't know. I don't. I think everybody on the planet loved Office Space. Yeah, that was a big underground hit. Still is. Like, it's still part of the vernacular for people to say things like flair, and uh, huh. there's always one guy in the office that's talking about his Dabler. Right, know? sure. Every office has got someone quoting Office Space. Or he's a straight shooter with upper management written all over him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So, um, Archimedes. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Office Space. Well, we were talking about geniuses, and, you know, it's something to be a genius now. But when you are a genius, you're basically expected to immediately sell out to the man or the government, and your ideas are going to be used for nefarious reasons against everybody else. Yeah, that's kind of how it works a lot of times. You know, like that uh, Matt Damon soliloquy in Goodwill Hunting, where he's interviewed by the NSA. Oh, that one, yeah. Yeah. It's probably pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, there was a time, however, where just being a genius was you could change humanity forever and you can make an, an an argument that it was easier to be a genius before because you there was so much to be discovered yeah sure you know? I, I totally agree but the still you should take your hat off to guys like archimedes oh yeah some of the earliest geniuses because archimedes was thank you you just did didn't you i doffed my cap he was somebody uh worth taking your hat off to let alone the, the one thing that's possibly the biggest thing that he figured out was calculating pi. Yeah. So he invented pi. Throw the people <laughs> who can like calculate pi to 150 places or whatever uh-huh. just out the window. Just throw them out the, the nearest window. People who are standing next to them right now, because this guy came up with pi originally. He, yeah, he calculated pi. Um, if you don't know who Archimedes is, by the way, he was a mathematician and a physicist and an engineer and inventor and all around. Renaissance man, pre-Renaissance. Well, let's talk about him a little bit. He was born in 287 B.C. in Syracuse. Go Orange. Which is uh, modern-day Sicily. Yeah. So he, he was just an Italian. Uh, or, well, that back then it was a Greek city-state. Yeah, but, you know, like... Sicily, Sicily. Yeah. Sure. You and, know the old saying, Sicily is Sicily. Right. <laughs> and he, he was one of the OG Sicilians, a Syracusian. Yeah, and he lived his whole life there, and... um Later in his life, he would do a lot to try and protect his fair city. Right. So basically, he's walking around Syracuse. Aside from going and being educated in Egypt, um, which is where a lot of the early Greek thinkers went to study. Yeah. Um, he, like you said, lived his life in Syracuse. And he was basically allowed to roam around being the local oddball because he Smarty was so pants. smart. Yeah. yeah. And he was. He played that part pretty well. Yeah. Not only did he calculate pi first, he um, worked. It wasn't quite calculus because calculus wasn't invented, but they it might as well have been calculus, these proofs he was coming up with. Right. About 2,000 years before calculus was invented. Yeah. So he was pre-calculus mm-hmm. and not that class that you Pre-cal. took in the eighth grade right. <laughs> that you hated. Um, I shouldn't knock math. I always knock math. I'm sorry. Don't apologize to me. I have a lot of hatred towards math. I don't want to slant the the youths of today, though. Go to take precalculus. You're going to love it. Yes. That's what I say. Yeah. I don't think you're telling them anything they don't already know, though. You know, like kids who math appeals to. They're into it. Yeah, you're right. I have a deep admiration for those kids and don't begrudge them anything. I think you're born into it. Yeah. 
Um, like if you're into math and you're a kid right now, you have you're smarter than Chuck and Josh put together. Yeah, and you've got a big advantage in life too. Yeah, because your checkbook is going to be. That's right. Uh, he came up with the principle of hydrostatics, uh, displacement, calculating like your the volume of the human body or really anything. But at first it was a human body because he did it by getting in a bathtub and it spilled over. Let's and talk about like, this. Hey, this makes sense. Yeah, and what did he do when he figured out that he ran he around naked? Apparently, shouting "Eureka!" Yeah, which means I've got it. Let's talk about the story behind this. Yeah. So there was a king who had a pretty favorable opinion of Archimedes, King Hero the Second, I believe. Yeah. And uh, King Hero came to Archimedes. This is a story with a crown that uh, a local goldsmith had made. He had commissioned a local goldsmith to make for him. Yeah. And the king said, hey, Archimedes, I suspect I gave this local goldsmith the gold to make this crown, but I suspect that he replaced some of the gold with silver and that this isn't a pure gold crown. And I wanted a gold crown. Can you help me? You're a smart guy. Yeah. Can you help me figure figure it out? out? Yeah. And Archimedes was like, oh, man, this is a tough one. And he thought and thought and thought and thought uh-huh. for a long time. And it was when, like you said, he was in a bath. He was lowering himself into the bath that some water spilled over that he came up with what's called um, Archimedes' principle of hydrostatics, yeah. which basically says that um, the the an object, the volume of an object displaces an equal volume of water. Right? Yeah. So we have things like airships, or not water, but fluid, which can be water or air or right. gas, liquid or gas. So we have like airships, a.k.a. zeppelins. Yeah, ship ships. Ship ships. A.k.a. ships. Yep, things that float and don't sink. We can thank Arch- Archimedes for the math that led to those. Yeah. But anyway, so he's got this crown, right? And it was when he was in the bath that he realized how he could figure out how the crown was pure whether it was or not. Right. He weighed the crown and then got a bar of gold that he knew was pure right. that weighed the exact same as the crown. He had a cylinder of water or a bathtub of water. He had a, a receptacle of water yeah. filled to the brim with water, like we said. A.K.A. water. He drops the gold into, is my natural aversion to understanding math showing? No. I feel like it is. No. He has this receptacle of water filled to the brim. Yeah. He takes this bar of pure gold, drops it into the receptacle, and it displaces water. Yeah. Displace, displace. Right? So now he takes the gold out, and the volume of water has been reduced. Some of it's spilled out, right? Yeah. That's equal to the volume, which is produced by the density of the gold, of the gold. Yep. Okay. So now he's got the... Gold crown. If he drops the gold crown into this receptacle of water and it brings the water up to the exact level that it was before the gold bar was dropped in there, uh-huh. that means that the density of the gold crown and the density of the equal weight gold bar are the same, meaning that the gold crown's pure. Yeah, and that's the key. I don't think you mentioned at the beginning was that the gold bar he had was supposedly the same amount of gold is what was used to make the crown. Same weight. Yeah. So it should have the same exact density. It should. Now, silver has a different density than gold. So the same weight of 
a bar of gold and a bar of silver have different densities. Right. Which means that if the guy had added some silver to this, the um, amount of water wouldn't come back up to the top. So what happened? Who knows? Who cares? Oh, wait. You don't have an ending to that story? I don't. Ugh. The ending is that he figured this out <laughs> and uh, he ran naked through the street shouting Eureka. Eureka. Oh, man. Now I have to know. Was the gold crown gold or was it gold and silver? We're going to go ahead and say it's gold because if it were gold and silver, then the king would surely have to slay the goldsmith. And I have the impression that King Hero II of Syracuse was a fairly benevolent, benefic- beneficent king. <laughs> uh, hold on. Before we go any further, what do you think uh, about a message break? That's a great idea. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey, everybody, if you're building a deck at work and you want to supercharge it, check out Canva presentations. Work docs have been the same for too long, but Canva docs are different. They're visual. They grab readers' attention with images, charts, tables, and videos playable right in the doc. Plus, docs don't have to be just words on a page. You can make your docs pop with Canva docs. That's right. And Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, HR, ops, marketing, and more, Canva presentations can be the solution for you. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Canva presentations might be the most visually impressive presentations you'll ever use. Start with a stunning template, use it as a springboard for your design, adding images, graphics, charts, data visualizations, all from a massive media library. It's super easy to wow any audience with Canva presentations. So start designing today at canva.com, designed for work. That's C-A-N-V-A.com. All right, so... Archimedes. I'm, I'm done talking for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> no, you're not. He uh, so he was a smart guy. That's what that story equals. Yes. He um, he was he was an inventor, but he was uh, more than inventor. In my opinion, he was a modifier of inventions. Like he didn't invent the catapult, but he made the catapult into a variable range weapon instead of a fixed range weapon. Much more useful. Yes. He didn't invent. Um, the water screw? He did invent the water screw, I think, didn't he? Apparently, uh, it's an Egyptian oh, really? thing that he found and improved. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, good for him, though. I'm not saying that, like... Well, they call it Archimedes screw. Well, yeah. I have the impression he wouldn't have called it that. He, I don't think he was much of a self-promoter. He was a producer. You think so? Yeah, he just got the work done. All right, so eventually his uh, his tinkering and his obsession, like he would get really fixated on his work would lead to his death mm-hmm. um, 
although he was old. He was 75, and... Uh, That's got to be old for that age. Oh, sure. For before the common 75? era? 75? Yeah. Heck yeah. He was really old. Uh, and a Roman soldier, I've seen varying accounts of this story, um, but yeah. the gist of it is is that a Roman soldier came in and said, hey, you need to go meet with General Marcellus, because... Marcellus Wallace. We're in charge here now. Marcellus wants to meet with you. Um, He's got a briefcase that glows and no one knows what's in it. Uh, and a mysterious Band-Aid on the back of his neck. Um, and so he goes in there and he says, you know, General Marcellus wants to meet with you. And Archimedes was in the middle of uh, his math, basically, trying to come up with some new proofs. Yeah, like he's creating a geometric proof or something, right? And he was in the middle of it. Yeah, and he had drawn this on the floor. It was all drawn out. Hmm. And um, one account I saw, he said, no, I'm like, I'm too busy. Hmm. I can't go see him now. And the guy got angry and killed him with a sword. Yes. You found that he was beaten to death. Yeah. Either way, he died. But he had said something along the lines of, don't disturb my circles, very dismissively to this Roman soldier. Yeah, which pissed him off. Yeah. And so the Roman soldier killed him one way or another. Exactly. And apparently, um, the Roman soldier didn't realize who he was. Well, no. General Marcellus was not too happy. No, because... Because he wanted to use him. Yeah. Archimedes was very well known around this area. Yeah. Um, and the whole reason that a Roman soldier was even in Archimedes' house in the first place yeah. was because they were besieging and had been besieging Syracuse for two years, two full years. Well, yeah, they, Syracuse was surrounded by a 16-mile wall, so it was a very fortified city. Right. So it wasn't the kind of place you could just waltz in and, and siege. Right. Like, this will be an afternoon siege. It was a two-year siege. So here's the weird thing. For... About 50 years of King Hero II's reign, um, the, this city-state, the Greek city-state of Syracuse, allied itself with Rome. Everything was fine. It was a time of peace. Yeah. The Romans were, you know, pretty much conquering the world. Sure. At the taking, forefront of everything. Yeah, and taking care of their friends, mm-hmm. including Syracuse. But um, King Hero's successor, his son, um, decided to go and ally Syracuse with Carthage. The General Hannibal had recently had some pretty good victories and had caught the attention of uh, Hero's successor. Yeah. And as a result, his successor was assassinated in like 13 months. And there's a lot of civil strife that kind of came about as a result of this. Syracuse was divided. We should ally with Carthage. We should ally with uh, Rome. Yeah. Well, whatever the case was, there complete alliance to Rome had been shattered, and Rome sent General Marcellus to negotiate at first, I guess to get them back on their side. Right. And when negotiations failed, he started to attack the city. And when he attacked the city, Archimedes' war machines were unleashed upon the Romans. Well, yeah, they went to Archimedes, and they said, you're a smart guy. Can you figure out some some innovative ways to thwart these people? Yeah. And he said, hey, it's a no problem. <laughs> you know? Uh, so one of the things he came up with, and I love his warp machines because it, it's just kind of cool stuff. Yeah. It's all like, back in that day, it was all very practically oriented with pulleys and levers and things. That, you know, it wasn't like, you know, nuclear fission. It's no. like, hey, let me think how I can use these, drop these big heavy things onto people. Right. The best. Yeah. With the with the people that I have at my disposal. Which is a lot of people. Uh, one, my favorite thing was the iron hand or the iron Archimedes claw. Right. Uh, this was basically, it was like a large lever with a grappling hook. Um, and it would hang, uh, 
uh, flush with the wall so they wouldn't see it, you know. <laughs> and then when the ships would come into the harbor, they would swing this thing out. Okay. They would lower the boom, literally. Right. right. And uh, this grappling hook would attach onto the front of a ship or any part of the ship would be great. And they would have all these people and oxen and things that would immediately yank it up and basically yank these ships either in half or tip them over and capsize them or drop them in the front end out of the water and then release it and then drop it back in the water where the boat would break or capsize. Right, exactly. And the the sailors would be shaken off. Yeah. And these are big ships. Supposedly, um, they were called quinquirines. Yeah, that was the ship of the day. Yeah, and those things weighed about 100 metric tons. and um, Had like 400 dudes on these things. Yeah. They were not small. They weren't small. And there was supposedly this giant iron claw that could pick them up and shake the people off and then throw the, the ship back into the sea. It's pretty cool. And they think that it was probably balanced with a counterweight rather than, say, like pulleys, which some accounts have it as. Yeah. Um, because the counterweight would be, it would balance out the weight of this huge arm. Yeah. And the claw, um, meaning that a, just a few people could move it up and down and side to side when they needed to because the bulk of the weight was countered. And again, he didn't invent this, but he modified existing things to make war machines, basically. Uh, and we should say it's entirely possible the iron hand or iron claw yeah. didn't exist sure. or existed in some less fantastic fashion, less um, less James West fashion. Yeah. Um, but it's possible and probable even that it was there was something like that that was used during the siege of Syracuse. Yeah, that's one of the, the, Romans. the coolest things to me is that this stuff, this is so long ago that we don't have the great record. So there's a lot of uh, speculation uh, of how he did it. It's just like how were the pyramids built? You know, it's kind of fun to sit around and tease your brain with that stuff. Right. Or build these things uh, like Discovery Channel did on their show, Super Weapons of the Ancient World. Mm-hmm. They built an iron hand. Did it work? Heck yeah, it did. Nice. I mean, it's not, it's very basic. It's like, let me lower this big hook onto your ship and... Use a lot of force to pull it up and then drop it. It's like the uh, the claw that you use to like win stuff at the bowling alley out of those machines. Uh, well, an upside down version of that. Oh, is it like a? Ho- it's a hook. Yeah, it's a grappling hook. Okay, gotcha. But the uh, the nomenclature of the day that was called a claw. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So let's take another little second for a message break. Okay. Stuff you should know. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! (laughs) 
Hey everybody, if you're building a deck at work and you want to supercharge it, check out Canva presentations. Work docs have been the same for too long, but Canva docs are different. They're visual. They grab readers' attention with images, charts, tables, and videos playable right in the doc. Plus, docs don't have to be just words on a page. You can make your docs pop with Canva docs. That's right. And Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, HR, ops, marketing, and more, Canva presentations can be the solution for you. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Canva presentations might be the most visually impressive presentations you'll ever use. Start with a stunning template, use it as a springboard for your design, adding images, graphics, charts, data visualizations, all from a massive media library. It's super easy to wow any audience with Canva presentations. So start designing today at canva.com, designed for work. That's C-A-N-V-A dot com. All right, so let's get back to it. So you had the Iron Claw that was probably for real and used against Rome because it was mentioned several times by um, not necessarily contemporary historians, but Plutarch mentions it. In yeah, he, he, Plutarch did a lot of the uh, historical recording of the day right. for and, Archimedes. But it was about 250 years after Archimedes lived. Yeah. Um, there was another one that was pretty cool that may not have existed, but was possible, and it's called Archimedes' Death Ray. Cool name. It's a great name. Greatest name for a weapon ever, probably. Archimedes' Death Ray? What about a so. band name? Oh, I'm sure that someone has taken that one. Don't you think? Um, yeah. There's an Archimedes' Death Ray out there. Okay, all right, fine. Archimedes' Death Ray is taken. It's got to be. But it is a cool thing. The thing is, is it's not mentioned. It's mentioned a couple of times by some historians even a um, a uh, a couple that are fairly close, who wrote fairly close after the siege of Syracuse. Well, now what's considered fairly close? A couple hundred years. Okay, so Galen does not fall into that category. Galen. That's about three hundred and fifty years after. Okay, so let's say Galen mentions it, mm-hmm. but he doesn't call anything a death ray. Obviously, no. He he basically says um, that. Archimedes burned ships remotely. I don't remember exactly how he says it, but he just kind of rem- he says that they the Roman ships burned from afar because of one of Archimedes' weapons. Okay, and he just mentions it. Yeah, it's not until 500 A.D., about 700 years after the fact, that they named it. That a guy named uh, Anthemius of Tralles, uh-huh. who is talking about mirrored surfaces, mentions offhandedly. That Archimedes probably used a mirrored parabola right. to burn these ships. So it was known that Archimedes used something to burn ships remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's not until 500 AD that Anthemius says, this is probably what it was. And the idea of the Archimedes death ray really kind of took shape from there. Yeah. And if, if you've never seen one in action, because a lot of people have tried to recreate these. Mm-hmm. Uh, Some very successfully. Yeah. There was a, I sent you that video, the 19-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2011, named Eric uh, Jacques Main from Indiana, mm-hmm. he built one out of a satellite dish and little disco ball mirrors. Yeah, the little squares. And uh, it worked. Like, man, he, it, he could melt stuff and melt aluminum and yeah, catch things on fire. And he's pretty ingenious. Somehow melted a rock or singed a rock somehow. Yeah, and it, he he said it committed suicide. He thinks it burned itself in a barn. 
Wow. Like the sun hit it wrong and it caught the barn on fire. Mm-hmm. But uh, apparently he's making a new one. I don't know how he's coming along on that. Yeah, but it's a pretty interesting little video to watch. Yeah, but the idea is that you're using, you're harnessing the energy of the sun just sort of like you would with a magnifying glass to create a very small focal point of extreme heat right. to catch a boat on fire. Right, and this is, but this is from reflection. You're using mirrors. The, the yeah. more mirrored and polished the surfaces, the more um, genuinely it reflects the original beam of light back. And if you can take them and put them in a concave uh, parabola, yeah. you can focus them all into a point, like you said. And when you focus yeah. them onto that point, you have however many little mirrors reflections focus into a beam that you can use to set something remotely on fire. Now, did they have magnifying glasses at the time? They had mirrored surfaces. No, not mirrored. Did they have magnifying glasses? No. They didn't? No, they would have used mirrors. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm asking if they had magnifying glasses at the time. I don't believe so. (laughs) Okay. It's possible. Because I was wondering if... It's so much better than mirrors. Why wouldn't they have used magnifying glasses? And my only thing I'd come up with is maybe they didn't have them at the time. I don't know. I don't know how old magnifying glasses are. It seems like that's something that would be pretty old. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I'll look it up. Did they have... They they had glass back then, right? Surely. Well, if they had mirrors. Oh, yeah. All right, so... We did a podcast on mirrors. That was a good one. Yeah. Surprisingly good one. Remember all the weird little facts about mirrors? Yeah, it's pretty cool. They're creepy things. Yeah, and the more highly polished we learned, the uh, more energy they can bounce back at you. Mm-hmm. So that's what Archimedes used. Yeah, if you're using supposedly. sunlight, sunlight has with it heat energy, so you're bouncing heat energy back. And again, if you use a parabola with a bunch of different mirrors, you can concentrate that heat energy into one little spot. And you can hit something and set it on fire, especially a wooden Roman ship. Yeah, and legend has it that he burned a lot of them uh, there in the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, they were parked anywhere from 200 to 1,000 feet away, and he burned them all, or not all, but enough to where they were like, we're getting out of here because I don't know what this death ray is, but it sucks. So, like you said, some people have tried to recreate this. Yeah. Um, in addition to Eric Jacquemin, um Of Indiana. (laughs) A group of MIT scientists created one in uh, 2005, I think. And they, it was a 10 foot version of a Roman ship, just basically like the side of one, made of red oak. And um, they used uh, 127 one foot square flat mirrors arranged in a parabola. And there's video of this on the web, too. So it Um, worked. Caught it on fire. Yeah, after 10 minutes. Yeah. Of sunlight uninterrupted by clouds. But that raises some issues here. Sure. Um, this boat was stationary. It was just like basically a, a beam of wood. Yeah. It was on top of, on the roof of a building. Right. And not in the sea. Yeah. And it wasn't moving. So if you are, if your target is a, a boat, it's going to move in the ocean. Yeah. It's going to have some sort of motion in the ocean. Sure. And, um, that's going to, make the area that your beam's hitting kind of jump all over the place. Well, yeah, and the whole key to the death ray was you got to have that fixed. It's got to sit there long enough to heat up, and if it's moving all over the place, it's not going to be effective. Although, I bet some dudes on the boat, as it passed by them, were like, ah! <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, if you go um the Sovereign Building, just uh, one building over, uh-huh. it, it has um a bit of a convex. Oh, it does. Or concave um, surface, and if you stand where it's reflecting that light, it is 
way hotter. Really? Than just like a foot over, a foot over this way, just on the sidewalk. Huh. It's neat. You Is it go, dangerous? Go check it out. Uh, I, I don't know if it's dangerous. No. It's uncomfortable for sure. <laughs> so some other dudes called the Mythbusters. Is that how it's pronounced? Mm-hmm. Mythbusters. Myth. Mythbusters. Uh, tried twice in seasons one and three, and both times they declared it busted because they could not recreate the death ray of Archimedes. But again, the MIT group was able to recreate it, and a Greek researcher in 1973. That's the one to me, because he actually did that on a boat in the water. Yeah, he, he set some rowboats that were on the water, or a rowboat, on fire. But the way he got around the motion in the ocean mm-hmm. was he used like 50 soldiers. Yeah, he had live mirrors. To, yeah, that could just adjust their position slightly to, yeah. to make up for the, the ocean's motion. That's a pretty good idea. You got how many guys? 50. 50 dudes with uh, five foot by three foot mirrors. And I mean, that's about the simplest way to recreate this. You don't have to build something. You just got to have a lot of mirrors and a lot of people. Yeah. And some time. Right. And a sun. And a, a Sicilian army that's not doing a whole lot right then. <laughs> I guess they weren't. So it is very possible for Archimedes' death ray to have existed or for it to have worked. Whether it existed or not is highly unlikely. Here's some reasons. You yeah. ready? It was never used again. That's my biggest like sticking point is if it was a death ray and it worked so well, why didn't they ever use it again? Uh, another point, a lot of historians wrote about the Siege of Syracuse. Yeah. They mentioned the Iron Claw, different historians. Nobody mentions the death ray yeah. until 700 years after. It's another sticking point. Could have been a, a artistic license at work, maybe. Could have been. You know. Um, another thing is that even if it had been deployed in the field during the siege, uh, Roman ships all had firefighters aboard. And they wouldn't have been too terribly threatened by something that caused like a smoldering fire that they could easily get to right. and put out. All you had to do is splash some water on that area, and it would just completely undo any of the, the, the heat yeah. that you've generated in that spot. Hey, Hercules, go pee on that. Exactly. That bow. Hercules is like, I can pee on that plenty. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Hercules impression. Nice. Uh, are those all the reasons that they... Oh, there's a whole list of them. There's military, practical, all sorts of reasons why it probably didn't exist. I'm surprised that uh, some modern military force hasn't tried to do some sort of version of this, you know, like harness the sun to, right, well, to kill. We have missiles and guns, so we don't really need the the sun. He yeah. had, like, logs and trebuchets. Yeah, but, like, you never know. What if it was... I'm going to get to work on it. Well, wait a minute. Was it one of the Supermans that, like, a satellite, like, captures all the sunlight and then shoots it back? Mm. Was it a James Bond? There was some movie in, like, the late 70s or early 80s where that happened. Maybe Goldfinger? Oh. Not Goldfinger. No, that was just the laser. View to a Kill. Maybe. All right. View to a Kill. Boy, that one is a stinker. It's the best one. We've had this conversation. Tanya Roberts? With um, Christopher Walken? Gra- yeah. Walken, Grace... Uh... Grace Slick. No. Grace Jones. Yes. Yeah. Have you ever heard her cover of uh, Joy Division's She's Lost Control? No, is it good? Yeah. It's like a, like a kind of like a reggae dub version of it. It's really good. Yeah, she... What happened to her? Uh, I don't know. 
She was an odd duck. Grace Jones, if you listen to Stuff You Should Know, write in and let us know how you're doing. Yeah. I mean, the last thing I remember seeing her in was Boomerang. The Eddie Murphy movie, oh, remember? Man, she was in that, wasn't she? Yeah, she was very funny in that, actually. Yeah, she's she's probably pretty cool. I bet she's very cool. Uh, so that's Grace Jones. That's all there is to it. She did exist. Or did she? Um, if you want to learn more about Grace Jones or the Archimedes death ray, you can type Archimedes into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And I'm not going to spell that for you. You're going to have to figure it out yourself. Yeah. Uh, and since I said search bar, it's time then for listener mail. I'm going to call this uh, collagen or weird collagen. Hey, guys, I've been listening to your podcast about broken bones. And you mentioned the vital role of collagen in the body. I figured it would be a perfect opportunity to send in this email. Uh, I have this weird and rare condition called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, EDS. You ever heard of that? No. I didn't uh, essentially, it's a defect in the makeup of my collagen. It's almost like my collagen is chewing gum. It keeps stretching and stretching, and as a result, doesn't hold my joints in place. I've had hundreds, maybe even thousands, of dislocations oh. since it first started affecting me badly nine years ago when I was 11. Wow. Every joint in my body has been dislocated at some point, with the exception of my left elbow. Is it painful? It's got to be painful. Well, we'll find out here in a second. There's no cure for the condition, but my physiotherapy... Uh, helps as it allows the muscles to build up around the joints and stabilize them, thus doing the job that collagen can't. Uh, my EDS is a lot better now. Uh, my shoulders only ever dislocate every few weeks or so. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is a tough person. Yeah, very tough. It's manageable with medication, and I'm proud to say I've made it through my first year of university, nice. despite these occasional setbacks. It'd be really cool if you could do a show on EDS, as it has a lot of different effects on its sufferers, and it's pretty interesting. It is. Uh, finally, I want to thank you for providing me with hours and hours of entertainment and information during the long nights of being kept awake by pain. Oh, no, it is painful. It is painful. Man, that is rough. Uh, I've learned a whole lot from you guys, and you never fail to cheer me up. That is from George in Brighton, UK. George, you are a tough guy, and congratulations on finishing your first uh, year Man. at college. Yeah, my buddy Dave has a shoulder that dislocates uh, quite a bit. Or not quite a bit, but... It's happened five or six times since no. I've known him. Not well, like George's. Not like George. No. Every couple of weeks is good for George. Yeah, hats off to you, George. Heck yeah. Uh, maybe we will do an EDS one. We're going to have to look it up. Yeah. Uh, if you want to tell us about a condition you have and ask us to do a podcast on it, there's nothing wrong with that. You can tweet to us at our Twitter handle. It's uh, SYSK Podcast. You can hang out with us on our Facebook page. That would be facebook.com slash stuff you should know. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at discovery.com. And you can uh, check out our super awesome website called stuffyoushouldknow.com. Brought to you by the all-new 2014 Toyota Corolla. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 
20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Hey, everybody, if you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions.